everyone. Welcome to Backstory Sessions. I'm your host, Matt. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, everybody. It's Kat, and I want to welcome you to this episode of Backstory Sessions. I'm joined today by my co-host, Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey, Kat. Hey, everyone. How are you? Well, Matt, happy autumn. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> See, you even said it, autumn. Well, um, for the listeners, you know, we have a poll in our uh, Backstory group page about how you pronounce A-U-T-U-M-N. I believe it's pronounced fall. Yes, some people did add that as a choice. However, of the choices that were originally listed of autumn. (laughs) See, you even said it, autumn. Or autumn. (laughs) It's the same thing. No. Yeah. A-W and A-H are not the same. That's autumn. Ah, uh, yeah, autumn. No, it's A-U, aw. Uh. Aw. Uh. Like caught, or, I don't know, fraud, or, uh, I don't know, what's a, what's another A-U word? Uh, laugh. <laughs> <laughs> You're funny. After <laughs> Adam, <laughs> so... You know, I mean, there's so many pronunciation, I guess, uh, things that you could do, but I've just always called it Autumn. Yeah, you uh, just said it. A-U. A-W. Well, A-H. Ah. Autumn. <laughs> you know, okay, well, what you're going to have... But a lot of people in the group, you know, at first I was laughing. I was thinking, like, nobody's going to put A-W. You know, like, this is, like, the funny choice or whatever. Uh, but surprisingly, you know, in the group, there's quite a few people, including you, uh, that say that you pronounce it A-W. Aw. Because that's Aww. the correct way. Aw, no. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like Anyways, you're, you we can just say happy fall, y'all. And... <laughs> You make yeah. it sound like uh, people who say it that way are mentally challenged somehow. Well, I mean, I don't want to make it sound like that per se, but... Um, if the shoe know, fits, right? Genetically challenged, <laughs> I would say, might work or apply. Okay. I don't know. I mean, just saying that I did not think that would be a choice, and... Definitely did not think that would be the choice of the way you say it. Um, but, you know, in further investigation, I feel like we don't really say it that differently. It's just that when we look at that, we um, perceive it in two different ways. But I don't think it really sounds like you don't really sound like you're saying Autumn. <laughs> I'm not saying autumn. <laughs> well, AW is like aw. You know, aw. Okay. 
We'll Paul. just we'll just Paul. we'll just agree to disagree. Well, crawl. <laughs> you know, raw. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah. I mean, I I don't think I don't really don't think we're even disagreeing. I just think that when we look at it, like my mind hears one thing and yours hears another, and then we say it and we we say it in a similar way. Okay. Possibly. I'm still but, right. Know, so. we, got a, we got a really interesting guest today. Um, it's not often that we get, uh, I don't even know, have we ever had the guest that is the child of, you know, the person that we're discussing. I, I sort of remember it once before, maybe, but I don't remember who it was. Well, we had the granddaughter, if you remember, we had Jocelyn Kai uh, talking about her grandmother when she got, you know, that her college degree. Yeah, at like 95 or whatever it was. Um, but this is Rosemarie's daughter. Yeah, so Rosemarie was on uh, the Dick Van Dyke show, as I recall, and other shows, um... Uh, well, definitely you know, Hollywood Squares. I'm going to throw that one in there. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was on there for a while, too. Yeah, you know, that was a, a really popular show. Um, yep. Gang shows were really popular at that time. And, um, you know, my mom, especially, I don't remember my dad so much, but my mom, she always had Hollywood Squares on. So, you know. Yeah, I, I remember it. watching it when I got home from school. Yeah, so, you, you know, and and they were funny, of course, you know, like Paul Lynn, he was funny. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and you just, you never knew who was going to be in the square, and, you know, like, who would you choose if you, I mean, sometimes you had no choice, you had to choose to block someone, so you had to hope that, right. you know, Rosemarie or whoever was in that block would, like, get the answer for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you ever want to be on that game show? The Hollywood Squares? Yeah. No, I can't, re can't recall ever wanting to be on a game show, except maybe The Price is Right. Uh, well, you know, I, I used to be really good at that show because, you know, I love shopping and... <laughs> Not uh, surprising. <laughs> yeah, I used to know prices, like, really good. I could get close, but, mm -hmm. um, what did you win on the Hollywood Squares, I wonder? You know, I don't really remember, but... It was, like, you know, maybe 500 bucks or something. It wasn't a lot of money. Yeah, but, you know, like, when you're after school coming home, it probably seemed like a pretty good amount. You sure. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, because I could get a lot of tiger beats and, uh, mm, you know. Yeah. Oh, what are those little sea monkey things you could order in the oh magazine? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, and join the record club. What was it? The was it RCA? I, I don't think remember. they. I think there was RCA and Columbia House and. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> and you, you know, they'd send you like they put you right in debt. You know, when you're like 12 years old or 13 or whatever. Yeah. You get like uh, 12. Eight. Yeah, get all these 13 for free, and then you only have to buy one more in three years or whatever. Yeah. 
you know, I mean, I'm not saying that I did not buy my, you know, agreement, but it's entirely possible. Yeah, I think I had one too. Yeah, so. I mean, you know, they, they tempt you. Like, they'd have the latest, you know, records or whatever. Yeah, and then you'd have to sit there and squint to try and see what they were because they had them all stacked up and you know I know and then the they'd send you the, send you the catalog and that was just like hours of enjoyment looking through that I know and, and you had to narrow it down like I'd always be like I'd pick out and then I'd see another one and I'd be like oh no now I have to like you know right who am I gonna Yep. Did you put stamps on there? You know, like, I forget how you chose them, but um, maybe it was a code or something. To the yeah, one I think you... it was a code. Yeah. Probably had a pencil, even, you know. <laughs> We're talking about old yeah. school days. Yep. No uh, copy-paste, you know, from the digital. No, nope. nope. no AI to help you pick them out and anything like that. Well, okay, so to our guest, Rosemary, and this being uh, the daughter of, you know, like, um, do you feel like, so if, you know, uh, I were to die, for instance, um, you know, and someone then was interviewing you about my life, the experience that you knew with me, you know, I mean, does this seem like odd to talk about someone else's life. Um, I guess. I mean, away, I guess. I mean, it depends on who the person is. I mean, how well you knew them and whatever. I mean, obviously, I don't, I've only known you what five years now, and uh, right. I you know don't I only know the things that you've told me about from before then. So it would be hard to you know talk with any. I don't know, with any, um, what's the word? Credibility? <laughs> no, not credibility. I, I guess it's like, you know, you, 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 we don't have any shared experiences before five years ago, so, I mean, it'd just be me relaying stories that you told me. But, you know, in a way, like, um, from the daughter's perspective, it's going to be like, you know, until she was born, like however old her mother was, you know, she wouldn't know that either. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, I don't know how old how old her mother was when she was born, but I mean, there's a fair amount of history there. Yeah, so I, I you know, I think it's just interesting to um, just to think about telling the life of someone else and. Um, even if it is your parents, um, you know, like there's a lot of things about my parents. I, I don't really know that I'd like to know, you know, if I could ask them now, I certainly would, but, um, you do like hear a lot of, of, about someone from the stories that they tell you or someone else tells you. Well, I mean, her, her mother was you know her mother was pretty famous and uh i'm sure there's a lot of you know appearances that were recorded and you know interviews that she did and things like that so i mean there's a little bit more there than 
someone who's not famous, I guess. Yeah, because, like, uh, do you have, like, a lot of pictures of your parents? No, I don't. I think I might have one of my mother and maybe one of my father, but I don't, I don't know. If you had to ask me where they were, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I don't have a whole lot of mine either. Um, so, I, you know, I think that's probably not going to be the case for uh, our guest today when we talk to Newbie about Rosemarie. Uh, because I'm sure, you know, that she has photos from a very young age um, that have been made public because of, you know, she was a star, like, for really all, almost all of her life, basically. Yeah, I mean, she's definitely had a recognizable name for many, many years. Um, you know, probably more so when she was on TV and, you know, um, she became famous then, more so, and then, uh, I'm sure before that, I know she had a, her career started when she was pretty young, as I remember. Well, and, and of course, like, now with social media, you know, like, everybody's posting photos of themselves or their friends or, you know, so there's a lot more. Uh, back in the day, even when we were like teenagers or whatever, you know, you had um, the little uh, cartridge, you know, film cartridge that you put in the, was it 110 or one, I don't know, 120, I don't even know now, but you know, it had a little cartridge you put in the phone and you had to have a flash cube. <laughs> Um, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, a, yeah. No, in the camera. Photo. Yeah. Um, yep. And before, you know, then when the Polaroid thing come out where you could, like, let it dry for, you know, 60 seconds or whatever, and voila, you you know, you could see the photo if you didn't, like, peel it off too soon and ruin it. Yeah. Um, you know, then that was, like, the greatest thing ever. So, you know, I, I think maybe that's some of the reason there's not a whole lot of photos is that it wasn't that practical like it is right now. Yeah, you had to take photos. them and get them developed and, you know, all that, so. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it probably was not, a, I don't think it was a priority uh, to my parents to do so. Yeah, um, I we just. You know, I don't believe we took a lot of pictures, maybe during the holidays or something, but generally not, like, just random things. Well, and, you know, you got the school photo, like, so every year at school, you, you know, get your school photos, so that was at least one time in the year. Right. Uh, you know, they'd have, like, probably the ugliest photo of you, you know, this <laughs> is like... Yeah. Usually on um, picture day, it's like it's never, um, like you forget that it is picture day or you're having a bad hair day or something. Yep. Or in your case, um, you want to tell that story about your school uh, proof and photo? and. Um, what story is that? With the marker? And... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Apparently I didn't like the photo, so... Uh... When I got it home, I drew on it with a green, um, <laughs> a green marker, and gave myself a mustache. Yeah, 
And, uh, you know, I don't think your mom was probably too happy about that. Probably not, because, you know, I had three older brothers, and, uh, you know, getting our pictures made was kind of a big deal, I guess. Right. Is, you know, it costs a few bucks, and then multiply that times however many, and, uh, you know, it was a little rough. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I was only, like, I couldn't have been more in more than third or fourth grade at the time, so. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's so creative. It was showing that you had creativity at an early age. Yeah, I mean, now I, I'm even worse. I, I really hate having my picture taken now. So. Well, um, you know, I um, I feel sorry for you in that way, but <laughs> oh. it does not mean that, you know, it doesn't need to be. <clears throat> sorry, I'm getting over a cold. Yeah, um, I think a lot of people are experiencing that this time of the year, and yeah. uh, I've heard you know many different theories about why that is. So uh, <laughs> hopefully yeah. you feel better. And uh, yeah, I'm fine. Just getting over it, and you know. So anyway, so uh, our guest is what? Newbie. Yeah, she's got like a really long <laughs> name though. Yeah, she she does. Georgiana uh, is her is her real name, but she you know she has asked that we just refer to her as newbie, so we will. Okay. And um, it's going to be really fascinating because, as I said, I, I think like hearing the life story from someone else um, besides that person is is a fascinating angle, and uh, you know, it being the daughter um, just gives it a little extra specialness i feel like yeah so is there like a documentary coming out or is there i know there was some like music released yes a hundred years and uh, so this is the hundredth year of her birthday she would have been a hundred years old yeah i and, think she uh, passed away last year or something uh she so she didn't make it to be a hundred but um she was in her 90s and um you know, to have a career like that's amazing from a very young age. Yeah, um, and then, you know, she probably, over the years, uh, met quite a few people, I would imagine. Yeah, can you imagine? I did ask something like that in the Facebook group about, you know, can you imagine, like, we come home and watch the Hollywood Squares, but can you imagine we come home and Dean Martin's in your living room or Lucille Ball? <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> yeah, that'd be, guess, that would be interesting. Yeah, I guess it was just commonplace, probably, uh, you know, for people that grow up with celebrity um, parents. Yeah, so, yeah, we've heard that before from other people. Where yep. There's been a lot of, you know, a lot of parties and things going on that uh, people showed up and, you know, sleeping on their couch or whatever. And I'll be curious to see, you know, if she had any celebrity crushes or, you know, was she starstruck from it all, so. Yeah, I can imagine, and, you know, yeah, it so will be interesting. Lots, lots to learn in this episode, and, and you know, Rosemary really, uh, so the music's being released, so, you know, I think a lot of people remember her for acting and comedy, 
But um, also, you know, she had a long career with music. So very, very talented. Yeah, for sure. I mean, she was pretty funny, though. Uh, you know, be interesting to see if she's like that at home. Yeah, well, we got a lot of questions, so let's get some answers. All right, sounds good. Here we go. Noopy, I want to welcome you to Backstory Sessions today. We are really honored to have you as our guest. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, we want to talk about your mother, of course, and mm -hmm. all the stories that you have to tell the fans and the listeners. Um, a 90-plus year career. I mean, m most people don't get that in any field, much less in entertainment. Absolutely true. She started when she was three years old, and she and, never stopped. So at three years old, like a lot of kids are, you know, can't even stay, like, in one place long enough to uh, do anything. And But she had a radio show. She um, had her own radio show when she was five on NBC, and it was very popular. And then what happened was is that people – because her voice sounded very much adult. She had a very uh, strong voice. And people thought, well, that's not really a kid. That's, that's a small person out there that's just singing. <laughs> so they put her on the road, and she wound up doing vaudeville. So she started radio and then went into vaudeville on top of that, which, you know, I mean, she basically has encompassed every part of show business that there is hmm. so she went on vaudeville and in, and in those days uh they did uh, eight nine shows a day Yeesh. and she was singing and um when she was in cleveland her father uh got arrested because of the child labor law <laughs> so he got arrested they would bail him out and then he'd come back out she would go out she would do her show and then he'd go out and He'd get arrested again. I think he was arrested <laughs> over a hundred times. Wow. So it's, yeah. So, but uh, she kept singing. And of course, vaudeville was just, just wonderful. I mean, you know, she made, I mean, a lot of friends and stuff like that. And George Burns, Gracie Allen was playing then. And, mm -hmm. and all the old vaudevillians, all the comics were there. And she was a kid and they loved her. And um, her father was kind of connected with the mob at that time. If it, she, she happens to have a uh, documentary out called Wait for Your Laugh, which basically encompasses her 90-year career. And we start when she's a child star, and we just keep moving on up from there. It's, a, it's been a very popular documentary. And uh, if you want to watch it, and if you're Amazon Prime, you can watch it for free. So it's a great, great documentary, and it's won all sorts of awards and everything. And uh, it basically encompasses her entitle, her entire career. So um, anyway, so yeah, so from there, and then it, you know, then the mob got involved, and and. Uh, uh, Al Capone actually contacted her father and she went over to Al Capone's house because he wanted to meet her. 
Wow. So uh, that's also in the film. That's also in her book. And um, and he basically gave her a gold uh, gold ring and told her father, you know, keep an eye on her and all that kind of stuff. And uh, uh, so the the mob has always kind of encompassed our life because when she opened Vegas, she worked for Bugsy Siegel. She was yeah. uh, the first one to play Vegas uh, when he opened up the Flamingo. Hmm. Yeah. It just it just goes on from there. I mean, it's a it's a marvelous story, and it's it's uh, an amazing ninety year career, and uh, it just it just goes on from there. So, I mean, so, what can I say? <laughs> you know. Well, of course, already you're telling me so much more than I imagined of the backstory, but. Um, did she come from musical parents or like she just at three just started singing or no no actually it was an amateur contest and her mother put her on the stage at three and of course she won at three years old you know I mean how can you not have a kid like that win (laughs) and um and in fact, she she named her book "Hold the Roses" because when she won, they gave her roses, and she walked backstage and she told the person there, "Please hold my roses. I have to take my bow." <laughs> so from that day on, it basically started, and then the word got around that there was this phenom, a three-year-old that had a voice like. Uh, Sophie Tucker at that time, who was a very popular singer. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it basically started from there. Her father became her manager and was the one on the road with her and basically dealt with the theaters and all of that. Um, So that's that's how it started. There was really no musical background at all. She could just sing. And... uh, that was what she did and uh, as a matter of fact on the cd that we just released we uh, you you can hear her sing as a five-year-old and it's it's amazing i mean you're gonna go there's no way this kid is five (laughs) years old (laughs) so and it basically started from there so she's she's encompassed every bit of show business that there is when you think about it, you know? And so started that young, she never complained about it. She was never a child star that, that went kind of off the rails. She had a strict upbringing because of her parents and uh, she loved it. She absolutely loved it. It was, it was never a problem. Uh, she was actually, here's, here's something that a lot of people don't know. She was the first one to lip sync because in one of the theaters, they wouldn't let her sing because she was a child. Ah. So they had recorded her. They played the recording backstage and she lip synced to it. So she was actually the first one to lip sync as a five-year-old. Ahead of her time. So that and that and she always took pride in the fact that that her 
uh, her first name was was the one that was on the marquee. <laughs> and she said she was the first. Later, you know, she said later Cher, Madonna, and all these other ones came out. But she said I was the first. <laughs> she took great pride in that. Hmm. Well, I know that um, it said you've started 100 days of Rosemary facts and that each day on social media um, there would be a, a different fact um, for yeah. 100 days. So yeah. what are some of those interesting facts that you that have been shared? Well, you know, some of them, um, uh, we, first of all, the reason that we started to even do this 100, 100 year thing was because of the fans and the reason that we actually released the CD of her singing uh, throughout her life um, was because of the fans. And the fans actually, um, uh, when she passed away, she had uh, 35,000 fans. She now has 65,000 fans. Hmm. So she's actually gotten more fans now than... um, you know, whatever. I mean, it's just her, her fan base is amazing. And, um, her assistant who later became my assistant, uh, she basically started out as a fan and I learned a lot about fans and how the loyalty and everything. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that we basically decided to do was that we had all these recordings from doing the documentary because it took us three years to do her documentary because of all she saved everything yeah we had 65 scrapbooks we had uh 20 cans of 16 millimeter film wow we had 20 reels of eight millimeter film because my parents loved to take home movies (laughs) and um and we had recordings. We had reel-to-reel cassettes. It was it was insane. It was absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. So one of the facts that, of course, that we say is that how much material we had to go through about her, you know, career. Uh, another fact is that she met Maury Amsterdam when she was doing vaudeville. So she's known Maury Amsterdam since uh since the 30s wow and so um uh and uh, you know most everybody knows her because of dick van dyke right right and you know and and dick van dyke was only five years of her life but one of the facts that i had put in the film that i insisted get put in the film is the fact that the residual schedule, and this is one of the facts that we actually have. Um, uh, after the whole residual schedule was uh, different then in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And so after 1968, she hasn't made a dollar off of Dick Van Dyke Show. Wow. She hasn't made a dollar. And every time that part in the film would come up, the audience would gasp because <laughs> I was standing in the back and Peter Marshall narrates the film and he says, you know, she hasn't made any money because people thought, well, she's rolling in it. Right. You know, she's she's I mean, because as as we talk here, the show's running somewhere right now. Yeah. 
And so, um, but, you know, she she didn't make any money. Maury didn't make any money. Even Mary didn't make any money at that time because she was new. Mm-hmm. And and uh, so the only people that actually made the money uh, are the people that owned the show, which was Dick and Danny Thomas and Sheldon Leonard and Carl Reiner. Hmm. So those four were the only ones that actually make money every time the show is sold. But uh, she hasn't made a dollar off of Dick Van Dyke show since 1968. Wow. So that's kind of a fact that we have out there right now. And yeah. everybody gets amazed because, you know, nowadays with Friends and, yeah. and Cheers and all of those shows, when everybody was making a million dollars a show, right. and, you know, residuals are just as good. I mean, you know, those guys on Friends will never have to worry Right. And um, uh, it, it, it's it, it's a whole different thing. So a lot of people never understood that. They all thought, well, she's just rolling in it. Mm. And after my father passed away uh, and they had a wonderful marriage, they had a great marriage and he got a uh, unknown blood disease that to this day they still don't know what it was. And he passed away. He was only 48 years old. Mm. and uh, so she became a single mother and uh, I was going to school and um, she had to support because the show was over you know Dick Van Dyke show was done right so she so she had to go out and she and she worked and she 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 did all these sitcoms and all somebody told me the other day oh I saw your mother on Adam 12. I saw your mother on SWAT. <laughs> you know, and if everybody thinks that all of these residuals, I had to tell them, and this is true. She uh, did a show called ALF. I don't know if you yeah. know what that was. It was about a, a you know. Alien, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Some, yeah, some sort of a, a, a alien or something that yeah. was out there. And, uh, and so, uh, I got this uh, check in the mail, and it was for a uh, residual that she had done an elf, and it was thirty-eight cents. Oh, jeez! <laughs> wow. And I think the best one was when we were shooting the documentary. We were shooting at her house, and Jason Wise, who was the producer director, the mail had come, and he said, "Oh, he goes, you know, your mail's here." And I said, "Yeah, okay." And I walked over and I got the mail, and. He says, oh, you got a residual check. And I went, yeah, boy, can't wait. <laughs> and he said, uh, he said uh, can I open it? I said, be my guest. And I handed him the envelope. This is actually a true story. I handed him the envelope. And, the, and he took the check out and hit, the look on his face was priceless. I said, how much is it? He said, one cent. Wow. <laughs> And he said, can I have it? I want to frame it and put it in my office. I said, you know what, Jason? It's all yours. It cost him more to mail it. Yeah. So uh, anyway, but yeah, it was for one cent. So mm. the whole residual scale back then was not you know, good. Crazy. I mean, it, you know, I mean, you're going to you're making pennies. I mean, literally making pennies, mm. which is probably one of the reasons why all these writers and everybody are on strike right now because it's going to get worse i guess yeah but um 
anyway, uh, yeah. So uh, those are some of the facts that we're putting on because a lot of people don't realize um, how different things are now than they were back then. Yeah. Because people see what they see now and they think it was the same way then. Sure. But, um, but what know, was her mom like? Um, was she naturally funny, like, uh, you know, off stage? Like, what was her personality like? Well, you know, her personality, you know, you have to understand both of my my father was a very talented musician and, and, and he was very popular in the town and he played with Bing Crosby and Frank Sinatra and at that time that they were together there were a lot of variety shows on the air mm-hmm. and um, he uh, played them all he played a lot of record dates um, someone actually told me the other day they said oh I have an album that your father's on and wow. uh, he was a he was a very popular musician so you have to understand that I grew up in a very musical kind of situation both of my parents were in the business and both of them were extremely popular mm-hmm. and um but when they were home because of the upbringing and everything it was family we sat down and we were a family and that's how it was um there was you know people asked me, oh, did she go around singing around the house? No. No. When uh, she was home, she was my mother, and she acted like a mother. And she cooked, and, and you know, she took care of the house, and and she loved taking, you know, making, making, she loved to cook. Hmm. And at that time, uh, the big thing in the, in the entertainment world was dinner parties. Everybody had to have a dinner party. Right. And she, of course, loved it because she cooked for days. <laughs> you know, Italians, they cook for days. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, she would have these people over, and she, and she loved it. She loved to entertain. She loved to, to, to cook. And uh, the big thing was parties, dinner parties. And... They'd sit and they'd laugh and they'd tell jokes. And one night Steve Allen was at the house and he was over at the piano just doodling all night long. He just didn't want to converse with anybody. He just sat at the piano all night long and just played. Hmm. And then finally his wife, Jane, went over and said, come on, Steve, we're <laughs> going to eat, you know. And uh, it was. It was that kind of an atmosphere growing up. I don't know if they do that anymore. I don't think that they do. But, um, you know, they love to entertain. They had parties in the beginning before my mother was on television. Uh, Most of their friends were musicians because of my father. Mm -hmm. And my father had a very unique tone. And on the CD that... We have out Kat, uh, Kathy Brown, who is the uh, producer. She sent me all 20, 29 tracks, most of which I had never heard. Hmm. And um, I was listening to them, and I, I, I could pick out the tracks that my father was on because of his tone. I could hear it. Aww. And I would say to her, okay, this song, 
he was on that one, right? And she'd go, yep. Hmm. And I said, well, he, you know, he was on this one. She'd go, yep. And I said, yeah. I said, he had such a tone that I could pick it out. And I, I had musicians come up to me after he passed away telling me how, how much they liked him and how talented he was. Hmm. And, um, was there like, so it was that kind of a household growing up, you know, it wasn't like, you know, one of the, one of it, well, how, how can I say it? It wasn't like my mother was walking around cracking jokes all day long. Okay. Because, you know, that was work. That was her job. That was it. But she loved to entertain. And of course, jokes happened when there were people there but i was young you know and i would come out after one of these dinner parties after people had eaten for like three or four hours and they were all on the floor (laughs) and i said what are you guys doing on the you know how come they're on the floor and they're going oh we're so full we can't move oh my god we can't move we ate too much we ate too much Hmm. and my grandmother would come out from Jersey, and she would get off the plane with bags of food because <laughs> California doesn't have food like Jersey right. does. Yeah. So <laughs> bags of food would come <laughs> off the plane. Was and there? Were my there? Grandmother any... would start cooking, and my mother finally said to her one day, "She goes, Mother, you, we, you know, you can't make this much food." She said, "You got to know, people don't eat like this anymore." Mm. And she said, "Ah, they don't know how to eat." <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> were there any uh, guests that you saw at these parties that you were... Oh, gosh, yes. Um, okay, here is a great story. Uh, my mother was close friends with um, Lucille Ball. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Lucy called her up one day, and she said... Desi and I are going to stop by the house because they were shooting a movie called The Long, Long Trailer. I remember that. And um, they were shooting, like, uh, you know, up in the hills in, you know, California, whatever. And they said, you know, so she said, can we stop by after we're done? And, of course, you know, my mother said, yeah. So you have to understand that I was used to seeing these people. So I was not starstruck. Right. They were my parents' friends to me. I was a kid, yeah. and they were my friends. And so um, my mother comes in, and, and I guess Desi had stopped by the house and brought some wine or something and said, okay, we'll see you later. Okay, so of course my mother starts cooking, whatever. And um, so then they called and they said, okay, we're done. You know, we'll be there. And said, okay, because my mother's and parents' house was kind of like on the way home off the 405. Mm-hmm. So, um, so they stopped by and, and, and they're out there and, and, you know, I'm not phased by this. Yeah. And, um, and then Lucy said, oh, we got to do a scene. And she said it was so good. It just really worked. So the, so her and Desi do a scene in the living room <laughs> uh, from the long, long trailer. Wow. And Lucy says, oh, you know, Desi was great. And, and they're talking and all of this. And, and, you know, they all go, oh, it's great and whatever. And uh, 
anyway, Lucy and Desi leave, and my mother turns to me and says something to the fact of, well, what do you think of that? That's like, you know, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz just yeah. did a scene in our living room. And I went, yeah. <laughs> and she got really mad because she said, you don't, you don't, it doesn't mean anything to you, right? <laughs> and I said, uh, no, I got to go in and do my homework. <laughs> and she couldn't, I mean, she used to tell that story. She could not believe I wasn't. Yeah. touched by it or something because to me they were two pe- it was just another two people that were friends of my parents yeah and and Lucy called her up one day Lucy actually was was a really they were really good friends they they uh, talked a lot mm-hmm. and uh, Lucy called her up one day and said uh, they've asked me to teach a class at UCLA on comedy and my mother said oh great you know whatever and so she goes no I need you to come down and help me with this (laughs) there's no way that I can that I can do this and so my mother went and Lucy and my mother did this class at UCLA (laughs) because only because I remember my mother saying I have to go to UCLA and I said why do you have to go to UCLA and she said, well, Lucy's going to be teaching a class on comedy, and she wants me there to help her because she can't do it by herself. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay. I can't so, imagine uh, that. <laughs> it, it, it just, you know, it, it's it, yeah. one of the things on my first job when I got hired, I got hired uh, on a show called The uh, Tomorrow Show mm-hmm. with Tom Snyder. Yeah. And the producer of the show had said to me later, he said, you know why I hired you? And I said, no, why? (laughs) (laughs) He said, because I knew you wouldn't get starstruck. Ah. He said, I didn't need somebody that was my assistant that would be going, oh, my God, it's so-and-so. Oh, my God, it's so-and-so. And And he said, I just need, and he said, and you were exactly the one. Hmm. And I said, well, because, you know, I was around it all the time yeah and they were and they were friends of my parents you know they would you know they had a, a lauren green and his wife came over one night because they all played bridge <laughs> they all sat at a table and they played bridge <laughs> i mean this is this is the kind of life that they you know I yeah. mean, work work was work but um friends were friends hmm. and that's and that's how it was and and uh you know it was it was devastating when my father passed away because my mother went into a very deep deep depression mm-hmm. and in fact didn't want to do the last year of the uh Dick Van Dyke show wow. and John Rich who was the director came over and they sat with her all night long and talked her into uh, coming back because she said, I don't think I can be funny. Yeah. Because she was she was so down. Hmm. And it's it's amazing the show bi- the show business community. You know, it's like the old line, you know, it's not a gang, it's a club. Right. And they they really took care of her and they really, you know, Dean Martin called her. And said he wanted her to do 
his show. And she said, Dean, I can't. And he said, I want you to sing. And he said, no. She said, no, I can't. I, there's, there's, there's no way I can sing. Yeah. And he said, uh, no, you got to do it. You know, you, uh, you pick out the song and we'll have it arranged and you come in. And he said, and I'll sit right there with you. And she said, I, Dean, I don't think, I really. And he finally pressed her and she uh, went in and the song that she picked was Little Girl Blue. Hmm. And it was, and Little Girl Blue is on the CD. And she sings it and he's right there with her on hmm. the show. And after that, uh, you know, he would say, uh, you know, I'm going to do these roasts. Why don't you come on and do one of the roasts, you know? Yeah. And he, and it was a way of getting her back out. And then of course, Hollywood squares. Right. Yeah. Was the other thing that happened. And they, uh, called her up for squares and she said, well, I can do that. I don't really have to perform, you know, (laughs) I think I can handle that. And she went, and so she wound up doing that for eleven years. Wow! So, uh, you know, that, and then in between that, doing every sitcom in the world that was out there, I think. <laughs> and um, but you know, she loved working. She really did, and and uh, she just kept going. You know, there there was that year that. She just didn't want to do anything because of my father passing away. Right. And uh, she just, you know, she just did it. But it was people like like Dean and and Jerry Lewis and people like that 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 called and got her up and got her. You know, my father, Jerry Lewis, loved my father. Mm-hmm. And um, my father is on the soundtrack of every Jerry Lewis movie. Hmm. And so Jerry was very close with my father and in fact, uh, used to call him in the hospital and unbeknownst to anybody would go over there at night and sit with my father and make him laugh and stuff like that. (laughs) These are things that a lot of people don't know. Yeah. You know, they only hear the lousy side of what somebody does, but they don't hear the good side. And people like Dean and Frank and Jerry and, Maury and all of those that just really, really rallied and really got her up and, you know, going because she was, it was really bad after he passed away. It really was. So it was the one part of her life that she really didn't do that much. And when we were filming the documentary, we, of course, had a lot of home movies with them, you know, together and all that. And I mean, women were just crying their eyes out mm-hmm. watching the film because so much of the film is basically a love story mm-hmm. and most and most documentaries aren't <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there isn't a love story in there but uh <laughs> in this one there certainly is it's a it's how a did, wonderful film how did your parents meet well my father was in the army and uh, she was performing, and he was um, playing the uh, uh, playing in the band, in an army band, and they were playing in a club. And my father also, there was a guy that made three or four movies 
uh, with an orchestra, and his name was Kay Kaiser. Mm. And my father was in those films. Because somebody said, well, your father was an actor. I said, no, not really. (laughs) I said he was in those Kay Kaiser films where he's kind of in the back and and he's playing and all of that. But um, uh, he was actually playing in a band and, and she and a girlfriend went and heard the band. And she spotted him and... It was like, that's, that is the guy. Hmm. And she said to her friend, she said, I'm going to marry that fat sergeant was what she <laughs> said. <laughs> and, and he said, no, he's not and fat, you know. And, but, um, uh, <laughs> and so she, they, they met at this club and they talked they were sitting at the bar and she was with a girlfriend and he came up and he was with one of his buddies and it was one of those chit chatty things and they hit it off and um the problem was that it was not as easy as it should be because her father uh she was the bread maker (sighs) and the father didn't want her to have anything to do with a guy. Mm. Right. And uh, so the father started to really push, and she she and my father wound up eloping. Uh-huh. And that's how they got married, because my father had said to her, he said, look, he said, um, I have jobs in California, because they were in New York at the time, mm-hmm. and... He said, I have jobs, you know, I have uh, Bing's uh, radio show and I have all this work. And he said, I have to go to California. So he said, either you go with me or that's it. And she said, I'm going. (laughs) And literally, which is what we show in the film, literally the suitcase out the window (laughs) with her girlfriend outside. I mean, it's like right out. I mean, it really is a movie. (laughs) And, um, and she threw the suitcase out and she snuck out of the house. Mm. And, uh, her father, while they were driving across the country, her father was calling people saying, stop him. The guy's a drug addict, making all these kind of comments about him and, uh, didn't, didn't make it easy. But, um, you know, they just, they just kept on going and that was it. And, and, uh, uh, he had gotten out of the army and he had all the work in California Mm -hmm. for his job because he was, like I said, he was a very popular musician at that time. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, really, truly up until the day he passed away, he was, he was quite well known in this town. And um, uh, that was it. So that's how they met. It literally was, he was in the army and uh, he was playing in a band where the service guys were playing in the band, I guess, to make extra money or whatever on their days off. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was how they met. Hmm. Well, that makes me all the more curious then about this story with Frank Sinatra and how he 
is the first to find out that she's pregnant. Well, that's very true. What happened was that she was picking my father up at NBC because he had he had played a uh, radio show or TV show. I don't know which, but anyway, she you know she was basically picking him up, and uh, Frank, of course, knew her from her playing nightclubs because after she got out of the child star thing, she was in that awkward age where she was playing nightclubs. So she was playing. Copacabana, she was playing all these things, which is how, you know, which is how she, she knew all these people. There was Frank, there was Jerry and Dean, and, Mm. you know, they were all playing clubs at the time. That was the big deal, was, you know, nightclubs. So she, so she, of course, knew Frank, and, and, um, so Frank was coming out of NBC, and, uh, she she was waiting outside by the car and he hey Rosie you know hi hi Frank you know blah 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 <laughs> and uh, the big hug and he goes how you know how are you doing and nah, nah, nah. she says well Frank I just found out I'm pregnant <laughs> and oh my God that's great and he goes does Bobby know and she said no I'm waiting to tell him he's just gonna come out <laughs> so he says oh my God oh that's so of course Frank stayed. And out walks my father, you know, hi, Bobby, hi, Frank, you know, and uh, Frank's like looking like, okay, (laughs) (laughs) say something. So she goes, well, I I just had to tell Frank, I just found out I'm pregnant, you know, and so the three of them (laughs) hugged and it was a big deal and all that. But the weirdest thing is that later on in life, I developed this, this thing for Frank for Frank Sinatra. I, I just <laughs> I just loved Frank Sinatra. I he was like if I could say I was starstruck, it was with Frank Sinatra. Mm-hmm. It really was. And and I uh, I just was crazy about him. I really was. And um I I uh I went and saw all his shows and I went, I mean, I was like his biggest fan. I really was. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I met him, which is a whole other story. And, um, and I couldn't talk. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I just looked at him and went, nothing, (laughs) nothing came out of my mouth. And he's, and he's staring at me and, and because my mother's behind me and he had seen her first and he had gotten up. Hey, Rosie, how you doing? The hug, blah, blah, blah. Hmm. And I'm, th- I'm sitting, I'm thinking to myself, my God, it's Frank Sinatra. <laughs> he's right here. He's right in front of me. Oh, my God. How old were you? And, uh, <laughs> 21. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I couldn't, you know, it, it it's a. It's such a thing with Frank because I just became, it's, it's, yeah. I, I, I had liked a male singer. My father was playing on his show and I had, I'd gone over to NBC and I had liked him at the time. This wasn't Frank. This was somebody else. Mm -hmm. And and my father introduced me to him, and he, like, fluffed me off. He went, yeah, hi, kid. How you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Turned around walked away. Yeah. And, boy, I was I was really upset <laughs> about that. So I went home, and every album I had of his, I threw in the trash. <laughs> 
I did. <laughs> and so I thought to myself, well, you know, I can't, I was petrified to meet Frank because I thought if he says, if he's the same way, I'll die. Yeah. That'll be the end of my life. I'll die. <laughs> and, and, uh, so I started this thing. I got this idea. <laughs> this is crazy, but it's true. Um, that I, if, if I was in a very nice restaurant, I would say, um, so does Frank Sinatra come in here a lot? And they go, oh, yeah, he comes in here. And so I said, do me a big favor, get a big kick out of it. And they said, what? And I said, tell him Noopy says hello. <laughs> and they go, really? And I go, yeah. Just tell him Noopy says, oh, okay. So I did this for like a year in certain places that I knew. So I'm walking into this beauty supply store, which is in the valley at the time. Guys, the owner's in the back. He's got all these pictures of all these stars up on the wall. Mm. And uh, I said, uh, and I see Frank up there. And I said, oh, uh, hey. I said, uh, do you know Frank? And he goes, yeah, he keeps his boat next to mine. <laughs> and I said, no kidding. He goes, yeah. And I said, well, I said, do me a big favor. Get a big kick out of it. And I go into the routine. To tell him Noopy says hello. And he goes, really? And I go, yeah, I'm telling you. He'll love it. Fall down laughing. He'll love it. No kidding. Absolutely. So the next time I go in, now I've totally forgotten about this. I So the next time I go into the beauty supply store, he's motioning to me from the back with the finger. Come here, yeah. you know. And I walk back and he goes, why the hell didn't you tell me you didn't know Frank? And I said, Jesus, you didn't really do it, did you? And he said, yeah, I did. He said, I even took him away from some people to tell him. I said, oh, my God, you're kidding. He said, no. I said, I got to know. What did he say? And he said, well, he said... I don't know this newbie, but I've heard this before. And I just broke up. I said, no kidding. Oh, my God. So now time passes, and we are going to an event at, at the Century Plaza here in L.A., and they are honoring Frank as the entertainer of the century, not of the year, of the century. Wow. And he's at a table on the thing and um my date that night was john shuck who used to be on uh mcmillan and wife and he and he was a friend he was then so i said john frank's gonna be and he goes i know i know you know don't even worry about it so yeah. okay so anyway it's my mother and a friend of hers and me and john and we're at this thing and so I so I walk into the room and I and I look down on the table and here's this huge round table and there's photographers on top of on top of photographers and the poor guy the poor guy's trying to eat well forget it yeah. you know I mean it's not going to happen and there's flash bulbs going off all over the place so whatever so we go to our table and my mother says to me. She says, come on. And I said, what do you mean, come on? Uh, she said, it, and of course my mother knew the whole story, you know. Yeah. Tell Frank Noopy says hello story. <laughs> she absolutely knew it. 
so she so she grabs me by the arm and she's come on let's go I said no and so she goes no you're gonna meet Frank and I went no 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 <laughs> no I don't wanna no no please and she grabbed me by the arm no no please I I no I said you know let me just admire him from afar it's fine I don't want to meet him it's fine she goes come on we're gonna go and she starts to, and she's grabbing me by the arm. And I mean to tell you, I'm serious. My legs were jello. They really were. <laughs> and we start to walk towards the table. And Frank turns around and he sees my mother and he immediately stands up and he goes, Hi, Rosie, big hug. And I'm standing there. And of course, nothing's coming out of my mouth. You know, I'm just standing there uh, like an idiot. And. So she says, Frank, she goes, I want you to meet my daughter, Noopy. And she emphasizes Noopy when she says it. Mm. <laughs> and he says, hello. And he sh puts his hand out and I shake his hand. And I nothing, bleh, nothing <laughs> out of my mouth, nothing. And he's, and he's holding my hand and he's looking at me and he's smiling. And she goes, Frank. Doesn't the name Noopy mean anything to you? Now he's really looking at me. Now I'm like, oh, my God, this is <laughs> going to be the end of the world. And now he's looking at me and he's going, I don't think so. And he's now. And so she said, Frank, have you been getting messages that said Noopy says hello and you see him react? And she goes, this is Noopy. <laughs> and he goes, oh, my God, that's great. Oh, my God. He goes, come here, baby. And he grabs me and plants one right on my lips. <laughs> I am like frozen. And he goes, and he looks at me and he goes, that is great. <laughs> Rather than somebody that just, you know, because I said, oh, my God. Yeah. So he said, um, and, of course, 8,000 flashbulbs go off. You think I could find that picture? I can't find that picture. Really? Oh, I, wow. And I had learned it was the foreign press. I don't know where the heck it is. I don't know. I've got spy. We've been trying to find it for years. We can't find it. I know the pictures were taken because the flashbulbs went off. Yeah. Because, I mean, he's planting one on my lips. <laughs> and so um, I went, oh, nothing came out of my mouth, honest to God, nothing. Yeah, you got to get and that I picture. Thought, okay. I turned around and I walked back. And it's like I'm thinking to myself, okay, the atom bomb can fall right now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care what happens to me right now. And we walked back and both people that came with us john's looking at me like well and I, i'm not saying a word i sit down i'm quiet you know and and everybody's looking at me like you just had frank sinatra kiss you on the lips come on <laughs> and i went oh and i went oh my god he kissed me that's all i could say that's all i could say <laughs> well the word got out that there was this association at the time that was a group of uh, secretaries that were with famous stars. Mm -hmm. And Frank's secretary was a lady named Dorothy Ullman. And she heard about the story. 
and she loved it. She absolutely loved the story. Hmm. So my husband and I now, we're in Vegas, and Frank's playing at Caesar's Palace at the time. And uh, I said, why don't we go see Frank? And he's, and my husband said, well, how the hell are we going to get in there? It's, it's Frank Sinatra at Caesar's Palace. Right. I said, no, 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 I'm going to call. <laughs> so I called and I asked for Dorothy's name because Dorothy had heard the story and, and, and I had said hello to her and she's very sweet, very nice. She loved it. She absolutely loved the story. And so I asked for her room. And I said, Dorothy, this is Noopy. That's all I had to say. This is Noopy. Hey, Noopy. Hi, how are you? And I said, listen. I said, my husband and I were in Vegas. Any chance we can see Frank? She goes, yeah. Can you come to the second show? I said, yeah, sure. Okay, we'll come to the second show. You know. Uh, and so we sat at Frank's table. Oh, my God. I cannot tell you. <laughs> sat at Frank's table. And... Uh, what was interesting was my husband had played golf with these people and they were sitting across from us. Hmm. Never knew that, that, you know, that they were connected with Frank. I yeah. sat next to this pilot and it was when you sit at Frank's table, I learned one thing. Like if you order a scotch and soda, you get a bucket of ice, you get a, full bottle of soda, one of the big bottles of soda, yeah. and a bottle of scotch. <laughs> you don't get a drink. You get a bucket and two bottles. Make your own. <laughs> Just because the guy across from me, he said, I'll have a scotch and soda. Well, here come the buckets. <laughs> and I'm looking and I'm going, oh my God. <laughs> and then I said, you know, I could live like this. Yeah. I could really do this. And Frank knew when he was performing, Frank knew where his table is. Mm -hmm. So at one point he would, he would sing or he would do something and he'd walk over to the table and he would bend down and he'd say to us something like, he said, I never should have had so much pasta tonight. <laughs> and we all laughed and we all, you know, it was an inside joke. And, and I'm thinking, well, I'm in heaven, you know. Yeah. So uh, uh, Frank what became my, my number one person, so to speak. And then, of course, later on, you know, I found out that, that you know, Mother said, well, he was the first one to find out I was pregnant with you. <laughs> So it, it, it so that's my Frank Sinatra story. So and did you did you ever get a chance to talk to him? Never on a one to one basis. No, it was just that it was just that one time. Yeah. And of course, Dorothy, on my birthday, would send me stuff, and and I, you know I've got things that Frank signed and notes that Frank signed and all of that, but mm -hmm. um, uh. I never really got a. Ch I, I personally, I don't uh, listen. I don't think I could have talked to him anyway. <laughs> I, I, I was so tongue-tied, like like this typical yeah. type fan that can't that can't talk. And and uh, hmm. when Frank passed away, I think I got more calls 
to me than his widow did because they go, Nippy, we heard Frank passed away. Are you all right? Are you all right? And I go, yes, I'm fine. (laughs) But I saw him perform so many times and, you know, people would say, oh, he's going to dog a show. I never saw, every time I saw him, he he just was fantastic. He Mm. really was. And, uh, I, awesome. I, of course, learned later that he, you know, again, like 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 Dean and 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 all of them, when uh, I had learned that when Ernie Kovacs died, that he called his uh, widow mm-hmm. and said, I'm here for you, whatever you need, you know, do you need money and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that was what these people used to do that nobody knew, yeah. you yeah. know, and and uh, they were really good friends and 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 always kind nice never you know and and of course because of the closeness and if you played vegas of course you work for the mob anybody that ever played vegas was basically working for the mob and and so you had the whole mob you know connection and they loved my mother because they wanted to take care of her and Right. And Peter Peter Marshall had an act with uh, another guy named Tommy Noonan, and mm-hmm. Peter used to say, "That's how I supported my family was playing in Vegas." And he said they were great because they treated you great. And he said, "Look, you know, as long as you didn't mess with them or try to steal from them or try yeah. to make a pass at their women," <laughs> he said, "You were fine." Hmm. You know, and he said without. Vegas, he said, I couldn't have supported my family. He said, mm. I couldn't have done it. So Vegas became a very important part of all of this group. And, of course, everybody knew everybody. Yeah. And, and everybody took care of everybody. And, and it, was a, it was a nice feeling. And my mother played Vegas a lot. I mean, you know, they would call her and they'd say, okay, you know, we want you to play the Sahara this week or something. And mm-hmm. She'd go, okay, I'm there. Hmm. And, and uh, you know, you didn't say no, in other words. Yeah, yeah of <laughs> You didn't say, no, I'm busy. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, sorry, can't make it. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I have a shower to go to. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, you know, you just do it. And, and, uh, there's there there's a whole thing in her film about you know the mob of course yeah. and, and and it's uh, fascinating and I was always fascinated with the mob really was I'm I I'm curious cool. I'm curious have you been back to Vegas recently Yeah I do go to Vegas you know because I was there as a kid yeah. for so long and when my mother was playing there and of course my father was here. But then if he had some time off, he would put me in the car and he and I would drive to Vegas because yeah. he wanted to be with her. But yes, I have been to Vegas recently. It's, it's you know, but the last time my mother went to Vegas, she was honored at one of the hotels as one of the premier, I think it was at the Tropicana at the time. Mm-hmm. And they had like her and the Smothers Brothers and yeah. people like that that were there. And we were on the plane and I said to her, I said, 
take a look out the window, mother, and look at Vegas. Because when she was there, one of the things that she did on her little eight millimeter camera was every time she'd play, she'd drive down the strip and she'd take a film. Yeah. And so you'd see one hotel and then you'd see desert. And then maybe another hotel or maybe like the El Rancho, which was one of the first hotels there. Right, yeah. And, um, and so her, her film, her home movies, basically um, categorized how Vegas was being built. Hmm. But of course, when she was there, it was desert. Yeah. No, so, I mean when 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 she opened up the Flamingo Hotel, there was this fancy Flamingo Hotel in desert. Yeah. And and um, so, but I always had this thing about Vegas, and as a kid, I loved the slot machines and. and in those days, the carpet would change when you were in the casino as opposed to, so as a kid, I wasn't allowed to go in there. All right, yeah. So I'd stand on the edge of the carpet. I do remember that. <laughs> and either my father would play a slot machine so I could watch. Yeah. You know, and then later on in later years, there was a uh, Hollywood Squares used to have junkets where they'd go to places and some of the stars on Hollywood Squares and 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 either ho either hotels would pay for them to go or right. you know and they would get a free vacation or whatever. So one of the times was uh, Vegas. So I was so it was my mother and Peter Marshall and God I forget who else was there maybe Karen Valentine mm -hmm. but you know people like that and and. Uh, and I said, well, you know, now I can gamble because I'm old enough. Yeah. And I'm thinking, okay. So my mother did what every good mother should do and taught me blackjack. <laughs> <laughs> and so I became obsessed with blackjack. <laughs> kind of like Frank. And I loved the game. I absolutely loved it, but I was petrified to uh, put money down. <laughs> 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 And but I loved the game, yeah. and so she had gone to bed, and I went down to the casino and I played blackjack. I mean, I got into it. I just loved it. Mm. And I had a dealer once tell me. He says, "You know, he says you play the game. He said as good as anybody. He said, but you bet lousy. <laughs> <laughs> he says that's why you lose." Yeah. <laughs> and I said, "Well, okay, teach me how to bet." And we were at the Desert Inn. Okay, that's how long ago that was. Yeah. And and um, uh, so he said, okay, put this down. Okay, double that. Okay, take that chip back. Do this. And I mean, he literally taught me how to gamble. Awesome. So, I do go to Vegas, but uh, and I still love the game of blackjack. I yeah. really do. And 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 I can play it. But I don't bet a lot of money. I mean, I'm not a you know I'm yeah. not a big time gambler because I I just enjoy the game. And right. if I have a good table with a lot of people with friends, you know, like it's fun. Yeah. And I always try to sit in third, it, what they call third base, because mm -hmm. that's the last chair before the dealer gets the card. Right. 
And if there's somebody that's sitting in that chair that doesn't know what they're doing, I just get terribly frustrated because <laughs> I go, no, 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 you, no, let, no, let her break. No, you know. You and, don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, so it, so it's like you know, I have to sit in that chair or else I won't play. Hmm. But um, uh, and funny. like I said, I don't bet a lot of money. I really don't because uh, I don't. You know, I mean, I put down ten or fifteen dollars. That's my life down there. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, but I see these guys that come up with, you know, $100 chips and yeah. stack them up, you know, and play and all that. I, there's no way yeah. I can do that. <laughs> no way. But I love the game and I enjoy Vegas, even though it's changed so much. Yeah. And it's just not the same. And I get frustrated because. You know, as a kid, it was always really special to me. Mm-hmm. But um, so I, you know, and if it's crowded, I won't go on the weekends. I think it's a zoo. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I, and I just won't go. And and uh, I like to go in the middle. The best time I had in Vegas was during COVID. Because <laughs> there wasn't anybody there. I was at the win, and there was nobody there. Yeah, and it was yeah. great, you know, and mm. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It was like there's nobody in there. Mm. So, um, you know, that was that was great. But it it has gotten to be so commercialized, and yeah, and you know, the big money guys are there, and and there's so much, you know, and you know the. Um, the uh, limits are like ridiculous or the, you know, yep. the, and it's just, it's mm. just not the same. So I can't enjoy it like I used to, but I, you know, I go because the restaurants are great. Yeah. You know, the chefs are wonderful there and you can go in there and have a, uh, have a fantastic meal. You really can. So and, do, you, do you prefer the strip or do you prefer downtown? Uh, I only went to downtown when they opened uh, Cirque. Yeah. When that opened, I went in. Oh, okay. And I thought that was nice. But now I'm hearing, now I haven't been to downtown in a while, and I usually get fairly good comps at places. You know, I'm supposed to go there in um, December because of Cowboy Christmas. I love Cowboy Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> I have horses and yeah. I, you know, and so, and I just, you know, it's all during the rodeo and everybody's wearing a cowboy hat, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it, but now with what they're doing with the sports thing, I was talking to the, one of the pit bosses the last time I was there and he said, it's going to ruin the town. Mm-hmm. I mean, because the sports people come in and they're rowdy and they don't care and yeah. it's just, it's just not um, the same, and he said it's 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 not going to help this town. It's really going to hurt it. Mm. And I said, well, I said I've already seen parts of it. I mean, I saw some guy flip out in the parking lot because the valet didn't bring in bring his car in yeah. a minute or so, and he just you know, and he just started screaming, hollering, and yelling about that. And and I thought, God, is it really going to get to this? So, um, you know, I mean, I, I love 
the you know i really love the town but i try to stay away from that and i haven't been i haven't been to vegas this year usually i go at least a couple times but i haven't and i'm going for cowboy christmas because i really enjoy it Mm -hmm. and i just i just love the the people that are there because you go there and these are people all from the midwest and and all of that and the and the displays that they have in the handmade furniture is just terrific mm-hmm. i mean very it, I, I went to one booth and and this one lady she had leather works beautiful beautiful stuff mm-hmm. and she had a purse up there and was on the top thing and i said god can i see that purse and she goes you know, and of course, everybody calls me ma'am, which, you know, I go, oh, God, I'm at that age. Okay. You know, yes, ma'am. Hi, ma'am. You know, okay, fine. I'm at that age. All right. And uh, so she goes, she gets a pole and she gets the gets the purse down and she's and it's beautiful. It, the the leather was exquisite. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm looking at it and she goes and she's opening up the purse. She goes, see, your, your pockets here. You can put your phone here and this and then she pulls this thing down and i said well what is that pocket for she goes oh that's for your gun (laughs) and i said oh okay (laughs) (laughs) and i went okay well uh all right uh no not gonna get the purse right now but it it really is a beautiful piece of work And uh, all of that. And, and it's so funny because you go in to the convention center and you see these guys and, they, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're, 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 they got the rifles and yeah, they're showing yeah. all of that, you know. And, and I, I looked at my husband the first time I had walked in to Cowboy Christmas and I, and I took a book around and I said to him, I said, I dare a terrorist to walk in here right now. Yeah. I dare one to walk <laughs> in here right now. Yeah. <laughs> But, it, you know, it's just it's just beautiful work. And, I mean, I have found stuff there that I have brought home, um, be, you know, because I uh, do have horses. Yeah. And, and uh, there are things there that you can't find here. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm telling you, the handmade stuff, somebody, somebody had handmade a pool table, which was the most exquisite thing I had ever seen. Wow. It was just... All hand carved, just I'm telling you, it was beautiful. And the bronze works, you right. know, the right. statues of the horses yeah. and the, the full size statues of the horses and everything. So uh, I was supposed to go um, to see a raining at South Point uh, a month ago, and and I went to try to get tickets, and they were sold out. And they said, well. If you want, you can still get a ticket, but it'll cost you twenty five hundred dollars a ticket. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not paying that for a horse show. Are you yeah, kidding? Yeah. <laughs> I said, oh my god. So I said, no, pass. So I, so I, you know, canceled. I didn't go. Hmm. And and I, so I kept my cowboy cowboy Christmas stuff, which I, you know, which I have, which I'm looking forward to because. Honest to God, you can find things there that you would never <laughs> find anywhere else. There you go, cowboy. Christmas and so you know, but now there's this hack thing going on that I'm hearing, and and uh, you know, it's just it's yeah, 
it's just not the same, and it's sad because I basically grew up with Vegas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when it, somebody asked me the other day, they said, do you have any mob stories? And I said, I do. I have one mob story. Okay, um, now I got to hear was it. My, <laughs> it was my birthday. Okay, I'll tell you. Okay. It was my birthday. And my mother uh, said, you know, she said, what do you want to do for your birthday? I said, I want to go to Vegas. She said, all right. So we go to Vegas and we're at some hotel and uh, uh, Dean was playing there and Jimmy Durante was playing there. So she knew all of them. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're in this room and I don't remember which hotel. I really don't. But this little short, bald-headed guy comes in with a with a cake, and it's happy birthday. And my mother goes, "Oh, popcorn! That's so sweet. Thank you. Oh, you didn't have to do that. Oh, I want to get a cake for your daughter. You know, happy birthday! It's gonna be cake with candles, the whole bit." Mm-hmm. And uh, she goes, oh, popcorn, that's so sweet. Thank you so much and all that. Well, I don't say it. So I, you know, I blow out the candles, happy birthday, blah, 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 later on. Never said anything. And a book came out, I guess, about a year later, maybe two years later, I'm not sure, called The Green Felt Jungle. Mm-hmm. And it was all about the mob in Vegas. It was about all the, all the, all the mob guys that actually ran Vegas. Right. And uh, so she, so my mother had read it, and I said, and so she said, do you, do you want to read this? I said, yeah, sure. So I, so I start to read the Greenfell Jungle, and I'm reading it, and there's a, a, a thing about a guy in there named Popcorn. Mm. And I, I stop, and I go, wait a minute, hmm. So I walk in. She's in her room, and I walk in, and I said, you know. I'm reading this book, and she goes, yeah. And I said, well, there's a character in here called Popcorn. She went, yeah. I said, well, when we were in Vegas, you called the guy that brought the cake in to me, you called him Popcorn. She went, yeah. And I said, well, is it the same guy? And she went, yeah. <laughs> Now, I'm reading about this guy that takes a gun to, to these people's heads so that their heads pop. Yeah. Which is why he got the name Popcorn. Oh, jeez. And I said, so the guy in here is the same guy hmm. that brought me the birthday cake? <laughs> she said, yes. And I went. And she says, have you gotten to Ice Pick Willie yet? (laughs) No, I haven't gotten to him yet. Hmm. She said, well, uh, yeah, he's also an interesting character. I said, yeah, he sounds like it. Hmm. Okay. And I walked out of the room because she was so, yeah, yeah, Yeah. it's him. Yeah, yeah, so. So buzzy about it. You know, the guy brings me a birthday cake. And I'm telling you, you would look at this guy, short, bald-headed. I mean, I can still see him. Mm. Short, bald-headed guy that you wouldn't think would harm a flea. Mm. And and uh, he he walked in with a cake. 
we went and saw Dean that night. Dean sang Happy Birthday to me. Wow. And then after that, we went and saw Jimmy Durante, went backstage, and, and I had another cake with him. <laughs> and that was my birthday wow. in Vegas. That's pretty surreal. So that's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, like I said, I got a lot of stories. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. damn. And, uh, but, you know, she had, she had quite a life. I mean, yeah. when you think about it, you yeah. know, and, and, uh, the fact that, that, that she did what she did and she accomplished what she did. Yeah. And the fact that she never stopped, but she loved it. She absolutely loved the business. She mm. really did. She never bitched about it outside of the fact if she wasn't working. Right. Then she would, she would call up like uh, Aaron Spelling. Yeah. And she'd say, I'm not working. Come on. <laughs> and he'd say, okay, I'll call you back. He'd call her back in the following week. She had a love boat. <laughs> That's the honest to God's truth. That's yeah, awesome. And so I would sit there and I would listen to her saying, I'm not working. <laughs> I'm not working. Hmm. And then after all of that, then, uh, four girls four came up and she and and that kind of resurrected her again and it brought her back into her nightclub act yeah oh so she wound up doing doing that hmm. and she and they were on the road it was her margaret whiting helen o'connell and rosemary clooney hmm. all older singers yeah and i was actually uh producing a uh a uh, segment on them for for a, a show here locally, CBS, mm -hmm. and uh, so I went on the road with them, and they're filling theaters three and four thousand people, wow. selling out. Awesome. I am in shock. I don't mind telling you. Hmm. I said you got to be kidding me, and I'm thinking, but you know the people loved them. They wanted to hear good music, mm -hmm. and they filled theaters everywhere they went. And they, I mean, they were, you know, Kansas City and this yeah. theater in the rounds, and then at this, you know, I mean, they just they they played every top venue mm -hmm. at that time and filled it. And I'm telling you, I've got it on video. I you've got the people coming in, and they're and they're just. It's crazy. Hmm. It was absolutely crazy. But, you know, it helped all four of them because the four of them were just kind of not really doing a whole heck of a lot. Right. And, you know, they're good singers. And, you know, my mother did the comedic part of it. She she sang and then also did, you know, comedy. Right. But, um, and they, and it just... It just brought the house down. I mm. mean, standing ovations like, and I'm backstage looking at this, going, "You got to be kidding me!" <laughs> Mom still I, got it. <laughs> and I'm telling you, they absolutely loved it. It was hard work, and yeah. they were on the road, and I mean, and they were in a bus, and I mean, yeah. I rode a bus through Ohio, which I'd never seen rain like that in my life, <laughs> <laughs> and um, <laughs> and. Uh, it was, uh, wow, it was really something. So uh, I think, and I mean, she 
she literally did that up until the point where she couldn't where she couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. So, um, and then of course, and then we and then we started into the film, mm-hmm. and she loved that. Because, you know, and her memory was uncanny. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Jason would, she was doing an interview with somebody. Somebody asked her about the Copacabana, which she played in the 50s. Right. And they said, what was it like to play the Copacabana? Because that was a big deal. In, yeah. You know, and uh, they said, what did it look like? She described the wallpaper on the walls. <laughs> of the Copacabana, she described how the layout was, and my mouth dropped listening mm-hmm. to her. And she said, well, you know, tables were there, and the thing was there, and the cash register was over there. And she said, oh, and by the way, the cash register had a bullet hole. <laughs> and you go, what? what? <laughs> and and, <clears throat> and she would... She would, uh, we were, like I said, we had 65 scrapbooks. And uh, we we finally had to hire Kathy, who later worked for us, mm-hmm. as a researcher because we couldn't, we couldn't keep up with all of the material. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was uncanny. And, and just, just reels of film and all that. And, and one of the things that she would do is she would do a show. Let's say she would do Carson. Mm-hmm. And she would say, um, she would say to one of the crew guys, can I have a copy of that? And they go, yeah, sure. They'd go back and they'd run it off. And before she left the studio, she had the film can in her mm-hmm. hand. And then Jason one day came out and said, I was at your mother's today. And I said, Yeah. And he said, you're not going to believe what I found. I said, oh, God. I said, what'd you find now? He said, I found a film can underneath the couch. <laughs> I said, what? He said, yeah. He said, it's a, it's a can. It's a show called Scoop the Writers. Hmm. And I said, oh, my God. That was one of the first game shows. She was the first female game show host. Wow. Scoop the writers. It's the only copy of the film, the only (laughs) copy that even exists. And so he said, I went in and asked her and she goes, oh, yeah, that's Scoop the writers. Yeah, I was the first female host of that Hmm. as the first female game show host. And he went, "Okay, so you're just going to lay that on me like now. Right. And and so, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I had it under the couch. (laughs) It was under the couch, and to this day, he tells that story of looking mm. under the couch. That's funny. Because he said, all of a sudden, he said, he saw something under, and then she said, well, she said, I got a cabinet over here. You might want to look in there. And he went over and he looked at it, and that was all the eight millimeter films. Mm. So she had, she had taken home movies of Vegas, of course. Yeah. And then Dick Van Dyke show. Uh, back, you know, just shooting and guys walking around and right. scenes, you know, rehearsing and stuff like that in color, which of course Dick Van Dyke was never in color. Right. So, um, and I wound up having to copyright those because everybody wanted them. Sure. Yeah. So it became like, oh my God. And Jason said, you better copyright these. Yeah. Because 
coming out of the woodwork now. Yeah, no kidding. And I said, well, okay, but because uh, we had so much stuff, we mm-hmm. had just so much, and and it just took three years to do that film. Three mm-hmm. years of just going over stuff, and 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 she, you know, she would say something about, well, you know, when I played this club in Cleveland, and this and that, and I and she and she'd rattle off something, and. Uh, they would go to the scrapbook of that year that she was talking about, and they would find the review mm-hmm. of her act, the name of the place, probably a napkin that came from there. <laughs> and, I mean, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. She basically has two scrapbooks of the whole trip from New York to California when she eloped with my father, <laughs> including every diner. She had never been to a diner before. <laughs> and oh, that was funny. like a big deal. She goes, I've never been to a diner. Yeah. And she, and so they were traveling across the country. Hmm. So it's an amazing story. It, it's, it, it's just, it's something that, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's, yeah. it's really, there's nothing like it. So. Well, this has been a really, really interesting uh, interview, and we're so glad that you came by. Well, I'm so us. glad. Have you know? Did I talk too much? No, no, you did fine. Great stories. Okay. Uh, you know, loved it for sure. Um, Great. Cat, any last uh, thoughts? Well, I mean, obviously, you can't sum up uh, 90 years of stories, uh, <laughs> even um, just in the time that we spent. Um, there's so many more, I'm sure, to hear. But I guess the one thing that I just wonder is, like, um, you know, what is, if you could just choose one something that um, maybe people don't know about your mother, but you feel like they should, what would that be? Well, I think, you know, one of the things that I that I have emphasized, and, and you know, so many people think that she is the persona that she that she played and and i think one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is the mark that she made on women as far as it, working in the business uh a lot of people came up to her including people like uh, Marta, Marta Kaufman, who wrote Friends and, and, and all of that. And, mm-hmm. and they said, if it wasn't for the character of Sally Rogers, I wouldn't have done what I, because she was actually the first. Mm-hmm. She worked with men. She made the same salary and all of that. And I don't think people realize the mark that she made on women. So many women have used to come up to her saying if it wasn't for you I wouldn't have taken the chance and written something I wouldn't have done it hmm. but I saw that Sally Rogers was making the same salary as the guys you know she uh, just wasn't a secretary mm-hmm. she was a writer and at that time women writers were kind of non-existent yeah you know you had your show of shows that had mostly men and so, uh, you know, you had very, very talented writers like Carl and Mel and Mel Brooks and mm-hmm. people like that. But you you didn't hear too often about a female writer. 
And I think the fact that she was told what a mark that she made on it, I think she she really liked that because she 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 loved being the first or doing things that nobody else had done. Mm. And I think part of that, and I think the other part that people don't realize is how down to earth she really was, especially at home. And she was, you know, everybody used to ask me too, you know, is your mother as funny at home as she is on TV? And I'd laugh and I go, yeah, right. I laugh all day long. <laughs> no, no, because we were a family and a lot of people don't realize that. They think that they carry on that persona that they yeah. see on screen yeah. right? throughout their life. And they really don't. But I think the most important thing that meant to her was her mark as being some sort of somebody that women could look up to and say, you know what? I can do that. You know, I... Mm-hmm. I had talked to somebody and he said, my executive producer just said to me, if it wasn't for your mother, she wouldn't have become an executive producer. Hmm. And you've got female writers now that, that have really made their, their mark Mm -hmm. and the impact that she had because of that character and the fact that she was the person that she was and she she was very involved in you know animal charities and stuff like that Mm. and and uh i think the other thing that people don't know is is how uh, what good friend she was with doris day Yeah. Because she wound up doing Doris' show. Yeah. And they became really good friends. And my mother talked to Doris Day a week before she passed away. Wow. They were on the phone, like, you know, girlfriends. Yeah. It's amazing. Hmm. But I think that's probably the most important, is that is that she had, she was a down-to-earth person. There, She was not a phony. And so many of them now are phonies. Hmm. And they all put on a persona and they all put on a certain air and they all put on a certain, you know, they're, they're, uh, what I say is that they're on, mm-hmm. you know, they're, and, and the minute that they walk out the door, they're performing. Yeah. She yeah. wasn't like that. She wasn't like that. She, she was who she was. And I never saw her refuse an autograph. Never. Mm. And now, there's companies that sign up these people and you got to pay 150 bucks to get an autograph. I never saw her. I have seen her literally have a fork to her mouth and, and people have stuck a napkin in front of her (laughs) and had her sign. I have seen it. Hmm. And it is, I have, she has never refused any kind of an autograph. She's always been grateful to her fans. She's always, and con- and consequently, she has some of the most loyal fans I've ever seen. Hmm. So I think that might be it. Well, so that I'm... and I was raised right, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a fascinating life and a very um, fascinating person. I feel like, um, you know, it's like a part of history and you're just giving us like all of these intimate details that 
we wouldn't know otherwise. So I really appreciate you being our guest and sharing. Well, her yes, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, and uh, you know, like I said, they, they can go to her Facebook page and or they can go to her webpage, MissRoseMarie.com and and follow and follow through you know uh all of her things are out there and uh if they're really interested in the history of the business of you know show business going coming from from vaudeville vegas nightclubs television movies uh and now you know a cd <laughs> it's amazing it's an amazing career really is all right, Newbie, thank you so much for coming by. We really appreciate Listen, it. Listen, great. Thank you guys very, very much. Oh, anytime. Come back and see us. Okay, will do. All right. Have a good evening. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can send those to cat at iwriteplays at outlook.com or you can write to me at backstorysessions at gmail.com or matt at level11ventures.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.